Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? All right. Ooh, half of y'all are asleep. So for those who are worshiping with us online, it is just a joy and pleasure to have you all with us. And for those here, I've had a handful of people over the past couple of weeks ask, have y'all opened back up yet? Because I'm counting more heads within the sanctuary during worship service. And no, we have not opened back up yet, but I've got some great news for everyone. A week from today will be our first Sunday with our physical doors of the church open back up. So we will gather here. Yes. Um, we've got permission from the mayor here in town in Davidson County, so we are super excited. For those who are at home worshiping with us, for those here, you know, we, we are following the CDC guidelines, and our staff and other leaders have worked really hard to make the sanctuary clean and safe, sanitized. Our balcony is open even today, so if some of you want to go up in the balcony to see what it's like, you're more than welcome to. And just like we've been saying for the past several months, as far as just if you have a preconditioned health issue or just even your age, or if you've got little kids and you're concerned, you can most definitely worship with us at home. At the same time, you're more than welcome to come. Mask, I took my mask off just because I'm preaching. Have you noticed Tennessee? It goes really well with the yellow here. We will, please wear a mask when you come, you know, especially with singing and stuff. We do have masks here as well. Uh, for those of us on stage, we can take the masks off just so you can hear us. I might put it on during the sermon as an example. But we are following all the guidelines. So you are more than welcome to worship with us physically or at home, uh, as we say, uh, a week from today at 1045 in the morning. It is family-style worship. So that's all the children, all the kids will be in here with us. Uh, for the Yes, right? It is. That's the way Jesus calls us. He calls us to be like little children. And if you know our building, we've got a track that goes around the inside of our sanctuary. So if your kid needs to run some laps, if he begins to preach or she begins to preach while I'm preaching, we don't care. We love it. Jesus loves children. He uses them as an example of faith. And he calls us to be like children, to approach them as a child. We sang it this morning. We are a child of God. So, Oyanocho, a week from today at 1045, we will have our arms open, our doors open to worship together here or to worship online. Clear as mud? All right, we're going to get a little exercise. I want to invite everybody to please stand for the reading of Scripture, Nehemiah chapter 9. If you've got your Bible, please open it up. Nehemiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. I do have a confession. I will read verse 6 as well, just for the context. But right here, Nehemiah 5, 9, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. This is God's word for God's people. On the 24th day of this month, the Israelites assembled. They were fasting, wearing sackcloth, and had put dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners, and they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. While they stood in their places, they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day, and spent another fourth of the day in confession and worship of the Lord their God. Jeshua, Bani, Kadmiel, Shebaniah, Buni, Sherebiah, Bani, Ichenani, stood on the raised platform built for the Levites and cried out loudly to the Lord their God. Then the Levites, Jeshua, Kadmiel, Bani, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethahiah, said, Stand up! Bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. Verse 6. You, Lord, are the only God. 
You created the heavens, the highest heavens with all their stars, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them and all the stars of heaven worship you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible day. Lord, we thank you for your word, that it is living and active and true. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would speak to us through your word. Bring encouragement and comfort. Bring conviction, transformation. Lord, we need revival. We thank you for the book of Nehemiah. We thank you, thank you for how we see that, how you work through not only Nehemiah, but the people of Jerusalem, how you even work through King Artaxerxes, Father, we praise you and thank you. And we ask that you would touch us and transform us for the glory of your name, Lord Jesus. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Real quick, I've got a confession to make. Today is the last Sunday of our sermon series. We're going through the book of Nehemiah. And if you've been reading ahead or just even looking, you'll see that there's chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13. That's homework for the next few weeks for you to read in your personal devotion. Last week, I challenged all of us to read Romans chapter 12, five days of the week. I hope you did it. I got to confess, I didn't do it. I'm sorry. So, one day, all right. No, but Romans chapter 12. If you want to look at the rest of Nehemiah, you'll see that in chapter 10 of Nehemiah, they commit themselves to the Lord wholly and completely. Chapter 11 is this huge description of all the different Levites and priests and many of the people that had come back and all the different assignments that they're given for the temple worship and for the worship of the Lord. You'll see in chapter 12 where Nehemiah sets up, it's a dedication of the wall, and they set up 24-7 worship and prayer in the temple. When I mean 24-7, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. King David and one of his worship leaders, Asaph, set up worship and prayer 24-7 in the, in the tabernacle before the temple was built. They set up this huge prayer movement. And then in chapter 13, you'll see more reforms that Nehemiah made. You will also see that the people, as we, as, as we so happens in our own lives, they follow the Lord, they fall into sin. They follow the Lord, they fall back into sin. And there's opposition. Nehemiah does not end on a happy note. It's not a good American movie. It ends kind of depressing. But a prayer by Nehemiah where he calls out asking the Lord to remember him and all that he had done for his glory. So I challenge you, read Nehemiah. And it doesn't end on a happy note because we as humans are weak. We are jars of clay. Scripture calls us we are jars of clay and we contain the glory of God for those of us who believe in Jesus because his spirit lives in us. But we are so weak and we are so fragile. And that's why we need God's grace and his mercy. And right here in chapter 9, we see this huge national confession of sin. Now I have a question. I see most of you wearing a mask. So if you've got your mask on, keep it on. I took mine off just because with the microphone. How many of us are wearing masks? Ooh, that kind of sounded pretty cool, didn't it? How many of us are wearing masks here in church? Almost all of us. How many of us come with an emotional, spiritual mask that we put on? Where we portray ourselves as one thing, but inside we're something else. The word hypocrite. That's a Greek word. Do you know the original meaning of hypocrite, what it stood for? It was a designation, designation for those who are in plays of theater 
within Greek theater and drama because they would wear different masks to portray different people within the actual drama. So that's where that word comes from because you don't see the real person. And how many of us, you know, we hear the word, oh, Christians are such hypocrites, Christians are such hypocrites. And usually it's said by someone, you know, who just hates Christians or doesn't want to follow the Lord or might be feeling convicted of their own sin or they actually see the hypocrisy of the church and they're calling it out. Hypocrites. Now think about it with the masks that we have on right now, the physical masks. Do you have a spiritual mask on where you're trying to cover your true self to not let anyone see? We sang that we're no longer slaves to fear. And there was a phrase that says, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. That comes from 1 John. Perfect love casts out all fear. Our boys and our little girl Margie, they would give their disobedience away as little kids because they'd be doing something wrong in the other room. If they heard us coming, they would come bolting out of that room, running to a different room. We knew that they were disobeying, doing something, trying to cover it up, trying to hide. How many of us as adults do the same thing with our own sin? Here in Nehemiah chapter 9, we read it. Last week, they, they gathered together, the men, the women, young and old. And for hours they stood reading the scriptures, the law, the book of the law, which is Genesis through Deuteronomy. They read it and the Levites taught them the word of God. And it says they began to weep and repent and they were celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Levites were telling them, don't weep. This is a joyous day. Wait on the Lord. The Lord, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And here in, verse, in chapter 9, verse 1, it says, On the 24th day of this month, 16 days later, what does it say? It says, The Israelites assembled. They were fasting, wearing sackcloth, and put dust on their heads. When you read the Old Testament, you will see when people walked in humility, when they walked in repentance, they would put sackcloth on. They would cover themselves with ashes or with dust. And it was a physical sign of their repentance of what's going on in the heart. We can go through the motions of our faith. But many times it's good for us to live it out physically in the sense of like repentance, kneeling. On Ash Wednesday, many churches will put ashes on our forehead. It's not anything special or magical about it, but it's a reminder that because of our sin, we came from the dust of the earth, we will return to the dust of the earth. And so these people... Hundreds, if not thousands of men and women, young and old, they're in repentance. They are repenting of their sins. It's an incredible move that you cannot manipulate nor fabricate. But as they began to read God's word as a people, the Holy Spirit was working in their hearts and he was bringing unbelievable conviction in their hearts. There is power with fasting. I love to fast, but I hate to fast because it's hard. I love food. But we're called to fast because when we fast and abstain from food, God uses it to press us down really hard to reveal our hearts and also to reveal who he is. That we can actually see that he is our vision. He is our high tower, our power, our glory. He's our song. So in fasting, we draw closer to the Lord. It's not a religious duty. And here the people are fasting and praying. They're in repentance. And it says here in verse 2, those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners. That can be a really hard phrase right there. 
What do you mean? God doesn't love non-Jewish people? Absolutely not. Scripture is very clear that God loves the whole world. If you remember the very first sermon in this series, we looked at Revelation chapter 7. What did John see around the throne? People from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every language. This doesn't have to do anything, really anything to do with ethnic purity as it does with the purity and integrity of the community of faith of Israel. In the book of Ezra, which is the same time period, it's the same time, it says in Ezra 6.21 that the Israelites, when they celebrated the Passover and all those of all the other people groups who joined with them. In the Old Testament, God longed for the Gentiles to come to faith. Daniel talks about it. Joseph read it in Matthew 28. Go to all nations. How many nations? All nations. But what happened in the Old Testament, you'll see numerous verses where God tells Israelites, don't intermarry. And it wasn't an issue of ethnicity. It was to maintain the purity of the faith. We see it in the New Testament when Paul says, don't be unequally yoked. In the context of marriage, Christians should marry Christians. In our day and age, in our culture, tolerance is one of the key cardinal virtues. Tolerance. We're commanded in Scripture to be tolerant. But that doesn't mean that we have to agree with everyone. And if we try to become all things to all people, we become nothing to no one. There is one King, there is one Lord, there is one Savior. And he said, if anyone wants to become his disciple, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow him. And so when we see this verse here, they separate themselves from all foreigners. Unfortunately, the church has taken this verse and many others to push the issue of racism, slavery, hatred against other people groups, and they've used it to destroy thousands, if not millions of people throughout the centuries. It is a wretched sin that the church has committed over the years for not only horrible interpretation, but application of verses. And I'm hitting this really hard because it'd be very confusing. We continue though. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners and they stood and they confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers and mothers. They stood and they confessed their sins. Public confession. Verse 3, while they stood in their places, they read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a fourth of the day. How long is the fourth of a day? How long is the fourth of a day? Six hours. Can you imagine standing and listening to God's word for six straight hours? Whew, man, I'd be doing this, this. I got to go to the bathroom. For six hours, they read God's word. And then it says here, and they spent another fourth of the day in what? Confession and worship of the Lord. That's 12 hours. These people stood in worship and confession of sin and reading and hearing God's word. I know for many of us that may be like, whew, man, what an amazing time. For some of us, it might be like, oh, man, talking about boring. I'm going to share a story in a minute about an experience that I had, Christy had, in college. 
But here these people, and this is something that only God can create and do. We cannot manipulate that. We could try all we wanted to gather here for 12 straight hours, and we would be worn out. But when the Holy Spirit moves, when the Holy Spirit stirs the heart of men and women, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction of sin, when the Holy Spirit opens our eyes where we see Jesus seated on his throne and we see his glory and his power, he will draw us to our knees. What were the people doing to gather to this? Reading of the word, fasting and praying, repenting. In verse 4 and verse 5, it shares all these crazy names. Whew, hopefully I pronounced them right. I pronounced it in Spanish. Of all these Levites who are teaching and leading the men and women, the sons and daughters, the children, the old, the young, and worship and praise. If you guys want to continue looking at chapter 9, I encourage you, not only homework of chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13, but meditate on chapter 9 this week. This chapter, it's long. It's one of the longest chapters in all of Scripture. It's an incredible chapter of worship, praise, and confession all intermingled in. It's unbelievable. Our confession of sin starts with our worship of Jesus. It always has to start with worship. We have to have a vision of who He is and how great He is. But in closing for this book here for us, there are four things that are unbelievably important in this chapter alone. The first one is the public reading and teaching of Scripture. It's got to happen. If it's just with two people or 2,000 people, God's Word has got to be proclaimed anywhere and everywhere all the time. The second one is unbelievable worship and glorifying our King Jesus. Not only just in singing, but our life as a living sacrifice, as an offering to him where we worship him in everything we say and do. The third thing is the public confession of sin. It's important from time to time that there's confession of sin where we need to take the mask off, where we need to confess. If you're a man, I encourage you, find another brother And confess your sins to him and let him pray for you. If you are a woman, find a sister in the faith and confess your sins. Take the mask off. We live in fear when we follow and believe the lies of the evil one. When we guard sin in our hearts. But when we're transparent, honest, vulnerable. And we admit our wrongs. We confess our wrongs. And we share it with another dear brother or sister. And they pray for us. We don't have to carry the burden of being a hypocrite, of trying to live up to something that we can't do. It's by the mercy and grace and power of Jesus. He's the one that not only saves us and forgives us, he's the one that clothes us in his righteousness. He calls us to walk in humility and confession, worship, diving into Scripture. The fourth one of this passage is a commitment to holiness. Holiness is not being obedient. Holiness, being holy, is to be set apart. God makes us holy. We can't make ourselves holy. We become holy through Him. It's through His grace. It's by faith. As we saw the Israelites commit themselves, separating themselves. Scripture is very clear. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm going to share this briefly, and it could be a long story. You can ask Christy or I about a revival that happened at our college our senior year. In the spring of March of 1995, there was a Sunday night gathering. Every Sunday, we would gather for worship and praise, and usually four or 500 college students would gather. It was optional. There'd be a good 30 minutes of worship singing, and then a special speaker, and then some more worship and singing, and then we'd go back to, back to our dorms. And Wheaton College, where we went, is a great little school. The majority of the students were Christians. The staff and faculty were Christians. But it's like all places. Everyone has their sins, hides their sins. And that night, two students from Howard Payne University of Texas came and shared what God had been doing, how God had visited their school. And there was a stirring and moving, a lot like what we see in Nehemiah. Confession of sin and worship and repentance and transformation. And I'll never forget, I was sitting way up in the balcony, and when the girl shared, when this young lady shared, you could hear a pen drop in the chapel. People began to weep and cry as she called people to repentance. And then the young man got up and he shared, and he was far more forceful. And I thought, oh man, he's going to ruin the spirit. But no, it's just another elevation of God moving. And I'll never forget, he said two things that really hit me powerfully. He said, God doesn't want your permission. He wants your submission. God calls us to submit to him. And the other thing he said is he said, Satan loves to isolate us and convince us that we're all alone. And then he'll destroy us. And personally, I was going through a wretched time that year in college. I felt all alone. After they got done, they shared what they were going to do. They prayed. And they had two microphones up at the front. And they opened the microphones up for questions or for confession of sin. The meeting started at 7 p.m. It ended at 6 a.m. the next morning of people coming up, confessing sin. They'd then go off to the side and they would ask a group of people to come over and pray for it. None of it was fabricated. They stopped the meeting at 6 a.m. just so people could go home, eat breakfast, shower, go to class. Monday night, 9 p.m., we started again till 3 a.m. And they decided, the leaders decided, we would go until no more confessions were made. We finished Thursday morning at 4 a.m. Five nights of confession, of scripture reading, of worship. You name it, it was confessed. You name it, it was confessed. The last six, seven weeks of that school year, I've never ever experienced a harmony of love and encouragement and support among the colleges or among the students in that college. It was powerful. I don't share that to lift me up or Christy up, but when the Holy Spirit moves in the hearts of men and women to humble ourselves, to get down, I'll be careful with the camera, to humble ourselves first to the Lord. And then to one another, he moves powerfully. Wheaton has been known to be a school of missionaries. And more missionaries were sent out after that year of 95. Over the next three years, more college students went on the mission field than, than any of the years prior up to the early 50s. Because when God works in the hearts of men, 
he then mobilizes his church to fulfill the Great Commission. Rather, you become a missionary in China, Argentina, Mozambique, or you're a missionary on your street, at your home, at your work, at your school. We surrender ourselves for Jesus' sake so that he glorifies himself in everything we say and do. Someone asked the worship team to come forward again. We're going to close in worship. But I want to encourage you, if you are carrying heavy burdens of sin, find a dear brother or dear sister. As I said, if you're a man, find another man who's a believer. Confess your sins. If you're a woman, find a sister in Jesus. Jesus, he has set us free. No longer to be burdened with the yoke of slavery. I want to invite everybody to stand and pray with me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you and we love you. And Holy Spirit, I ask now that you would move in our hearts. That we would walk in utter humility and repentance. Seeking your face. Committing ourselves to holiness. Committing ourselves to confession, to humility, to repentance. That we be men and women of your word. That we would have a clear vision of who you are, Holy Spirit. Who you are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.